Hi. So, um, hey, hey guys. So fun fact, Hannah and I sat down approximately an hour and a half ago to begin. No, like literally we were so ready. We were ready. Yeah. We were ready. We were I prepared. had my hand on record. We were prepared Boy. for anything except for what happened. And so <laughs> therefore. <laughs> Which we were shocked by, shocked and appalled personally. <gasps> That was us being shocked. Um, <laughs> there. Here, you take a deep breath too. <laughs> we both have to, Hannah, we both have to do it to express that we're shocked. It's for the effect. Okay, okay. So, um, anyway. <gasps> <gasps> Dang it! <laughs> do you love me? <laughs> we also spent part of the time that we were trying to address technical difficulties, rewriting at least a few musicals, one of which being fiddler on the roof so look for our rendition um it's almost tony award season so you know i just really feel like this is our year <laughs> we figured just like given current environment we would rename it fiddler on the curb because it's a safer spot we've called it fiddler in the walk up because why are you on the roof <laughs> why <laughs> um and that's that is the full title it has been trademarked so look out Sounds um, crazy, no. <laughs> I don't want to give it all away. Okay, okay. <laughs> but the matchmaker, well, she's a surprise. She's a treat. So anyway, we are here to record a podcast because we, we sure are. We do that sometimes, from time to time. <laughs> we are what the industry would call podcasters. And honestly, we just said this before we came onto the air, but we have a question for the world at large. Just a quick question. Teeny tiny, so small, so small. And my question, and also Hannah's question, is who authorized men, trademark, oh, yes. to purchase microphones, to possess them, to have them? Lorelei also has thoughts. <laughs> what? <laughs> who authorized them? I know. Uh, it, was, it was shocking to me. Um, it's largely from drew afualo's videos um she does a lot of stitches with male podcasts quite, 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 quite. which is like a recent podcast. phenomenon and i'm not sure how i feel like that. so here's the thing men recording podcasts who are hetero cis men what are you what are you what are you um, saying like what are you adding are you like girls bleh. like what 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 content were we missing from the largely white male demographic like well, which new source did you not touch yet with your grubby basement dwelling i mean poles? literally literally every single major news outlet has questions but here is my every primary. industry all of the press releases all the healthcare there's yeah. no place where we can't find a man find you telling us something yeah so, so forgive me that. if i wanted a podcast to be a safe space Forgive me. Um, you're so foolish. There's, I want to say her name is Brittany Renner. I don't know a lot about her. She's it's apparently <laughs> a model of some kind. I don't know if it's exclusive to Instagram. I Do you know what clip I'm talking about? Have you seen Yes. It? Okay. Well, so we'll post it to the reels because it's all over the TikTok and we can just download it from there. But the premise is basically she's on this, first of all, it's three against one. So cowardly off the bat. Good job. First of all, they're so malinformed and ignorant. Like they're also unattractive. We they're also that. unattractive. And if they're not single, someone is doing the Lord's work. Someone <laughs> is doing charity. 
<laughs> it's someone is out in these streets banging the salvation army drum okay <laughs> like... they're, they're ringing that bell they're doing so great and you know when you pass them and they just look sad that's yeah. why no that's, that's why. the reason why very like basset hound face it didn't start like that okay a lot of less they were baddies <laughs> they were baddies two weeks ago it's been a lot of long shifts okay? surprise. so anyway the premise of the video is basically these three men I've only seen one portion of it. I haven't listened to the episode, but they're basically saying she asked them a question because off microphone, apparently the primary male speaker says something along the lines of like, he's starting like to say something about women and Brittany interjects. She's like, oh, so like when you said you warned your friend about women like me, what does that mean? What did you mean by that? And he's like, oh, I never said that. His friend's like, no, you like, you definitely said it. And um, so Brittany's like, so what did you mean by that? Women like me. And he took a long pregnant pause. Lots of babies were given birth during that time. And um, he says, just like, you're not special. Like, you're just like other women. And she's like, and you are special? Like, he's like, I never said that I was special. Here's the thing. When you tell someone you're nothing special, you're implying that you are special in some kind of way and elevated above them. And I just found it a very interesting conversation. First of all, I've only seen the part of that that Drew stitched because I physically couldn't Obviously. will myself to watch any more of it because it was taxing. Um, but it reminds me of a conversation that we had earlier this week, actually. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the need for male associates or friends, depending on how you classify them, to refer to you as a like a bro as a homie yeah, dude. yeah man a dude you know largely masculine friendly terms that have been ascribed to women usually pick me's um who are looking for validation that they are different from other women and my thing is here's the thing this is a point-to-point -point conversation, okay? Most of the time, mm -hmm. when someone calls you bro or dude, you're in an A to B conversation. There's no right. C, there's no D. Sure. It's a one-to-one -one one message. On one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's no need to address the person. Sure. Like, who else are you speaking to? Like, no one else is there, okay? You don't need to be like, Emma! <laughs> Emma! Like, you're the only oh, one right. here. I mean, virtually, you're all here. We love you. But you know what I'm saying? Like in a DM situation or in a text message situation, in a WhatsApp, in a, I don't know, Skype, what are the kids using? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In a one-to-one in -one messaging scenario, yeah, there's no yeah, need yeah. for a labeling term. There's no need to use any other name other than your name. There's not even a need to do that because they already know that you're speaking to them. It, it, there's two people in the message. Mm -hmm. One of you is typing. The other mm -hmm. one is ready to receive. So... To me, when a guy goes out of his way to go, bro, bro, dude, homie, they're actively reminding themselves that they are not supposed to be attracted to you. I'll give you an example. So in a locker room scenario, sure. all men, heterosis, you know, the, so they I've say. painted a picture. <laughs> um, they're all standing around. The guy who's like, dude, you must hit this pound it uh, uh, and like goes out of his way to touch other guys there's a reason there's a reason okay and if you're the guy who maybe that was you i'd like to invite you to examine maybe just the, the boundary lines of who you feel you're attracted to 
and who maybe you've been intentionally reminding yourself is in the is friend, friend, friend. Um, and maybe just like think, wait a minute, why am I force categorizing this person? Why am I doing that? Is it because if I admit to myself that I am attracted to them, it would have implications for how I think about myself and how I feel? <gasps> you, Eureka! you stop that. You stop it. Um, honestly, trained therapist, that was for free. That was for they free. They are not ready for that particular conversation. I don't know if they ever will be, to be honest. If you ask me, there's a lack of preparation on that side of the pond we're over here the silly geese are over there we're watching over there paddling around all i'm saying is as a woman if you're on the receiving end of that like just feel really good about yourself because if they have to constantly say like because it can feel like a bit of a put down like it can feel like oh you know i'm i'm a man Uh, or like oh uh, (laughs) what horror um but no like you you're you're feeling like um that masculine energy is being put on you when you didn't ask for it mm-hmm. um and basically that you're being diminished as <laughs> mm-hmm. um attractive as feminine etc so just feel I mean, good about yourself i already know that the argument's going to be like well that's what i call all my friends and it's like do you <laughs> do you Quick question. show us the receipts bro whip them out you, I, I, I want to say that was intentional. I'm going to assume your bro there was. She's winking at me. So I'm going to assume yes, but who can say? Um, so anyway, we because we took so long to begin this episode, I'm going to jump to my little points that I always, I always start out with. In my she always notes. has chats, and to be so honest, good. it's helpful because I rarely do. <laughs> Correct. Well, my chats encourage Hannah's chats, and there's a lot of chitting to be done. so i don't know about you but sometimes i'll get a phone call that i wasn't expecting and it's never happened to me (laughs) well so like i'll give some context last week for three or four hours a car alarm was going off in my neighborhood and normally we're like oh that should shut you hear it and you're like oh that'll shut off in like 15 minutes no big deal oh it'll stop stop. yeah it would stop for like a minute and then pick back up for 10 or 15 minutes and this happened throughout the four hours so we were like Okay, so we started like mass reporting it to 311, which is kind of like your non-emergency complaint line. So I re- we all reported it via the app because the phone line is trash and they just hang up on you. But you report it the app and it opens like a whole like little case. So I, I don't know if anyone else did. I always give my contact info because it's going to send mm. it straight to the police. And I'm like, I feel like they won't take me seriously if I don't put my contact info. They'll sure. just write me off. So I sent that and they called me. We had like a couple conversations and every time they came out, the alarm would like not be going off, which led me to believe like someone's doing this on purpose. And like their idea of entertainment is to like watch or maybe they're not even nearby and they just keep pressing the alarm button to like be a dick. I don't know. Like you never know. Ward off burglars. I it have an also, alarm. <laughs> it, was, it was a plate that had whose tag had expired over a month ago. So we were like, I wonder if someone stole it and dumped it. Like, who can say? Mm. You know. So anyway, I digress. The cop that I had been speaking to called me again. And I just remember I was trying to tell him what kind of plate was on the car. And I started with, oh, it's temp tag. Because it was. It's a 30-day non-resident. And I could have just said tag, ended it there. But when I was, I had a photo up. And when I was reading the photo, the way it's described is 30-day non-resident temporary tag. And my brain was like, we've already said those words. If you say them again, you're going to be redundant. 
So I ended up just sounding like a Sim character because I like completely fumbled over my words. So my line in my chat notes was, do you ever just like turn into a Sim character on the phone and just cease the knowledge of the English language? Because <laughs> guilty. So, <laughs> me. Hello. Okay. I'm going to swipe no on that poll, but thank you so much for the <laughs> I bet you have done it and you're just not aware of it. I just, I need you to, I need you to identify what a Sim character sounds like because right now it's a no, but maybe I'll swipe yes. Maybe be it'll blah, be a yes. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, oh no, but that happens to you a lot. <laughs> <laughs> this is not new. Um, I speak Simmies fluently. I didn't even know it and I do. All worries. Um, hello. Thanks. <laughs> your problem love that <laughs> um so anyway um that was one thing i thought of great. and i felt great about it. and i was like should i admit that well surely someone among us out there has suffered the someone's same saying yes to that poll it's not me but someone and is i want you to feel seen as an individual join me hello we're gonna be a club <laughs> the password is blah, 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 blah. we'll so. get sweatshirts it'll be great <laughs> so um okay my other chat point I, because I'm sort of like morphing into the Anglophile that has sort of been like hidden deep within the recesses for a while, I've been rewatching a lot of British television. And one of those, one of those is the Great British bake, Baking Show in the States as it's known, but the Bake Off as it's known in the UK. Do you mean GBBO? <laughs> I do. I mean Gabo. So with Noel Fielding. So, okay. First of all, <laughs> Noel and Matt are endlessly hilarious. Like I, I will that. always I miss... <laughs> Mel and Sue. Yeah, definitely. Iconic. But Noel is Did you so like Sandy? funny. Did you ever like I Sandy? Love I love Sandy. Sandy. I love Sandy. But I'm a Sandy stan from QI. Yeah. Love Stephen Fry. Love Sandy. So I was I was a stan the whole time. I'll say I, I know that Noel, so I didn't know this until someone pointed it out to me. And I, you're not, I don't think you're going to know what I'm talking about because you would see this video and be like, never show that atrocity to me ever again. I'm horrified. <laughs> And it's called Old Greg. I've seen Old Greg. Isn't it horrifying? It was like, genuinely, it was like a plague virus that went around my high school. <laughs> and everybody knew, Old Greg! I'm Old Greg! And it's one of those things that you wish you could overwrite the memory space that it's yeah. currently yeah. just it's living rent-free. <laughs> living rent-free, can I just say. In a time where a the market house. is insane. Okay. <laughs> but basically, like you wish you could just like wipe yeah, that part yeah. of your memory. You can't. So, I, so yeah, unfortunately, I know all about Baelish. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, I who was I was seeing a guy at the time who like made a reference to old Greg and I had been Oof. lucky enough to have never seen it. And he ruined that. Oh my for me. gosh. <laughs> Imagine. So I was like, what's old Greg? Yeah, show me what. And I watched it and I was like, what have you done? <laughs> Just a good question. <laughs> it's like the Charlie the Unicorn thing. Charlie. Yeah. Also like, not funny, you just can't but... unsee it. Like, okay, shoes was funny. Charlie. Shoes funny. was ahead of its time. Shoes was shoes ahead was... of its time. Love that. But anyway, oh my God. shoes. <laughs> I never put together until someone mentioned it on like I'm in the Great British Bake Off subreddit. 
obviously, because we talk about it. And um, <laughs> we have chats, we have discussions. Could you believe the straw bacon this week? <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, there are some, I'm like fed up with a lot of the, like the judging decisions. That's spoilers, I won't reveal. But anyway, I didn't are realize you, that- Are like, that... really mad that Paul Hollywood like made a decision that you didn't agree with? Yeah, I'm, yeah, Pollywood, I have problems, but- Pollywood. Okay, really quick though, controversial. I prefer Prue over Mary. And what? Yeah. I do. I love Prue. I adore Ugh. Prue. I think that, uh, and sometimes I watch the intros to these episodes and I'm like, how do they agree? How do they get Paul and Prue to agree to do what it is they're doing right now? <laughs> how on earth were like, they like, that sounds fun. How, we should totally put on a cow suit and I'll be the butt and you be the head and we'll dance. Like, I, I just have, I, I want to know. The people need to know. I want you to say it with me. Contractual obligation. Very good. <laughs> well, I think they're very good sports about it. And also I love alliteration. Yeah. But anyway, I didn't realize that old Greg and Noel Fielding were the same, one and the same, until someone pointed it out to me. And you're looking shook. So I don't think you realize old Greg is Noel Fielding. And once you think about it, you'll totally know. You'll never know why you didn't see it before. I just want you to know what's going through my head right now. It's me, my face, like shocked. Falling through a mirror, smashing with my face on the other side, shocked. Falling through a mirror, smashing with my face on the other side, shocked. It's just like an infinity loop of me being shocked because that's how far deep into my brain this is like. Alice never stood a chance with that looking glass. And sorry, I just no, no, straight right. I'll pause so you can look it up and we can share in the shock. I know. Oh, I know. Can you, I, can't, I could not believe it. I couldn't believe it. And then you put them side by side just... and you're like, how did I not see it? <sighs> and so when I'm watching the show, first of all, I come up with amazing puns the whole time. So okay. during shoe week, I was like, bless you when someone sneezed. And I was like, <laughs> I would be iconic as a bake. I can't, I, I can bake, but not to this level because I have like actual hobbies that I do with people. A job. So, <laughs> um, but I was like, if I were on the show and by the way, someone did like why they don't let American immigrants be on the great British baking show. And it was so funny because. Yeah. Was, I like, saw that. Cause they would ruin it. Yeah. Cause they yeah, would ruin like, it. Like they ruin Oh no, your cake burned. <laughs> because in American competitive settings, we're not nice to one another. That's not a thing that you do. There's like, a reason that they put the master chef tables real far from each other. That's yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Those like, knives. They would never, you wouldn't see someone's like souffle collapse in an American show and be like, oh, you podia. You'd be like, sucks. But like, no, suck. you'd literally be like, <sighs> like blowing on the souffle. <laughs> um, you would walk too fast purposefully by their oven in the hopes of shaking it in a way to yeah. like get it to collapse. But in yeah. this show, they're like, oh, you poor dear, that was so lovely. You did so great. They're so nice oh, to each other. don't feel badly, chummy. You're doing amazing. I mean, that's like one of the reasons why I like it so much is they're so nice to each other. I'm like, that's so sweet. No. Um, but anyway, I digress. Um, God, where was I going with this? I had so much to say. All I knew from this was <laughs> no Greg is no fielding and that's right. just never gonna leave me now. I think, hang on, let me reopen my um, my notes because that might give me some indication of where the heck I was going with this. Okay, yes. I mean, okay, that was enough of a news have flash. Come, <laughs> we have come full circle to this moment right here. So one of the episodes recently, one of the contestants missed flour. It was like one instruction on the second page. She didn't put flour in her cake. And to me, I'm like, I can't believe that you would miss that. But then I remembered, okay, back in elementary school, 
I don't know if your school did this, but they would test our instruction reading skills. So they would do is they'd give us this to a small child, a really long list. It's like 10 steps. And when you, what they told you to do, not like they didn't emphasize it. They'd be like, okay, now read through these instructions before you do anything. And so the exercise was you had like three groups of like M&Ms. You had like brown, blue, and red. And the instructions would be like, throw away all your blue M&Ms. Um, throw away five red M&Ms, eat five brown M&Ms. And like that's, it was like a step-by-step process. And you got to the very last step and it said, ignore all the above instructions and just eat the M&Ms. And the test was to see like, are you reading instructions before you execute a task? And that was what I thought of when this lady missed the flower. So as you can see, I have very philosophical baking moments in my life. So we learned two things from this. One, that Noel Fielding had a prior moment in his comedy career that would be considered rock bottom for most people in which he played old Greg and two that your school ran psychological tests on you. So we know that now. Okay. Good to know. Um, I would like to know survey says from the team, did no one else experience this? Like, I mean, I was at a private Christian school. I don't know if that had much to do with it or not, but it was a private school. So maybe that's you remember that poll thing. that I hit no on before I'm hitting. No, I didn't right. get well, psychological I am, testing. I'm due for two and I feel so great about that. So, um, <laughs> Amazing for you. I love that. Um, I want to give you a chance to contribute before I move on to my next point. Because I, I'll be honest with you. I'm in a bit of a lull right now, mm-hmm, emotionally, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. spiritually. Okay. <laughs> I saw a video that was like, physically, I'm not great. <laughs> emotionally. You sent it to me, didn't you? Yeah. I'm also not great. Spiritually. spiritually? Equally not great. <laughs> yeah. So I finished... A Court of Thorns and Roses series. Yeah, she did. It's devastating. It's been two weeks since she looked at me. Um, it, it's been a long road, I'll tell you. I reread Truly. some of it several times. I'm not going to tell you how many, but several. And I was in active mourning. I would call it borderline depressive episode where I just, like, I didn't find joy in the things that used to bring me joy. (laughs) I would stare out windows for long periods of time and, like, my hand would twitch and I'd be like, maybe I should just read it. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. She would actually have her husband pour a glass of water onto the window so it would appear that it was raining outside. (laughs) Cue Joey's scene in the rain with his waterfall. Uh, so yeah, I, I've not been in a great space with it. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm coming out of it slowly. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm starting to try new things as anybody in grief will tell you, it just takes time. So, Stages, you know, all five stages of acceptance. Uh, I'm, I'm in the start a new show on Amazon prime stage right now, which is, mm-hmm. it's helping, you know, is it, is it closing the wound? No, but I, as a result, I have very little in the ways of chits. Um, Although sure. my favorite show of all time, my second favorite show of all time, <laughs> my definitely top five <laughs> favorite show of good, all time good, 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 good. is back and it does bring me joy. And it's that summer house is, sure. is back to grace us. Previously winter house. Now Previously house. winter house. Now Previously summer, house. summer house. Then winter house. Now I know. Summer house again. Whoa. I mean, um, you could i'm shook that the seasons are changing personally like didn't see it coming well the venue changed you see we were in um vermont for winter house and then we're in the hamptons for summer house oh mom that's not even that far from me hi guys hello hi i'm not willing to sleep with all the men in the house i don't know that i'd be great for that show right but i would love to be like the drunk girl in the corner just being like you go girl 
you go. But that's that's bringing me some joy. So Good. that's back. That's exciting. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I'm waiting for Hannah to be able to buy a series that I think has on my last count, I can't remember eight. seven or eight books. Eight books. Great series. Um, I won't even reveal how I feel about the ending because I feel it's too much of an indication. Um, but like, I, if you liked Quarter Throne of Roses, you'll really like the Throne of Glass series. So similar feels. You'll love it. Okay, my last chit is. I'm gonna say last chat. That sounds that sounds better. Just if you're listening and you don't quite catch that I'm saying (laughs) shit. So, um, I remember I was in a store or something. I can't remember where I was, but maybe it was in CVS. But that's what makes you beautiful. By One Direction came on, and I was like sitting there thinking. First, I thought one time I saw a video of a proposal where the guy had her family and friends like mouthing parts of the song as he walked her down a path and at the end he proposed to her and i was like this feels very 2010 interesting aesthetic it's fine um mm-hmm. but then i thought you know i am not the girl in this song like i can relate to a lot of girls in a lot of songs it's not this one i do know i'm beautiful there's never a part where i'm looking at the ground thinking like oh my god so shy Blah. no it's not me i'm not the girl no i have a chit to chat Wow. And I can't believe I bemissed it. And that was on Bitch, me. She remissed this bemiss. I remissed it. And and I, I don't know how I'll forgive myself. So I want to talk about the deleted Gymshark reel controversy. Oh, yeah. I want to talk about it. So okay. because it was deleted and the evidence is gone, basically Gymshark posted a reel on their main account. Um, I'm somewhat sure it wasn't the Gymshark women account, but it could have been. So, but it was one of their main, like, blue check mark. It was Gymshark's account. Mm -hmm. Got it. So they posted a video. And this girl, you know, very pretty, Mm -hmm. just laying her head down, covering herself with her duvet, about to go to sleep. Mm -hmm. And then the text flashes above her head, and it says, asterisk, remembers that he loved other girls before. And she gets up. So like, basically, I was not going to go to the gym, but then I remembered that my partner liked, has loved other girls before me. Mm -hmm. And then you see a montage of her in a, you know, cropped gym outfit, basically Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. doing a bunch of workouts. And I don't really, you know, I don't really enter the fray for a lot of these, but I, I just couldn't uh, stop my thumbs. So I literally typed toxic, toxic, toxic. And a lot of comments within the time it took maybe 30 minutes for you to see said message and go to click on the reel, it was deleted. But someone at the Gymshark, wherever they are, saw said video and was like, oh, this is this is good content. Let us post it. Didn't see any of the toxic red flags. Didn't think that like the validation need or that the like a major fitness brand. This feels like a big oops for you to go. It seems fine to me that me posting a reel of a woman in Gymshark kit who's working out because she's afraid that her boyfriend, partner, whoever he is, is going to leave her for another girl and advertising their gym wear through that mind blown i think that we need to review gymshark's history um 
I don't think it was until probably 2019 at the very earliest that they even supplied what could be considered plus size clothing. Oh yeah, they didn't. They definitely didn't. They had like very straight sizing and all of their athletes had six packs, like six to 12 packs. The, so Nikki Blackader was one of the very first like Gymshark models that I knew. Yeah. This was back in like 2016 era. Yeah. So I don't know how like new and it's an Australian brand originally, I think. Um, but she, the owner of Gymshark was like in her posse and in Christian's posse. And it was like, and Alphalete is just an extension of Gymshark if you ask me. But, um, so yeah, it's, it's designed to be worn by women who are short and small already. Um, and they can tell me they're natty all day, but I know you're on high milligrams of Anivar. Like I know, and you know, and Gymshark knows. For the people who don't speak gym culture, she just said natural. Oh, sorry. Natural body. They were, yes, natural athletes. Like, they don't take enhancers of any kind. They just worked out to get that body. Yeah, sure. Easy. Oh, and they just drank water and ate spinach. Hello. So does Jennifer Aniston. There's been no plastic surgery. Nothing. So, <laughs> not one. Not a filler among us. So, anyway, I was shooketh by that because yeah. I'm like, I haven't seen, and maybe it's because brands have gotten aware of the fact that if you have a PR oopsie, it's not just like an, oh, delete the Instagram post anymore. Cause people love that. They like save yeah. it oh, and they yeah. will like repost it and there'll be a Buzzfeed story about how it was deleted, like a whole thing. Yeah, yeah So yeah. I just, ha I haven't seen a brand do that in a minute. And so it took me by surprise. And also because they've gone so far to kind of distance themselves from the, we're just for skinny people athleisure brand mm -hmm. to like a more inclusive but then if you look at the top half of their grid it's still like very naturally thin overly abbed underclothed people who are spray tanned and edited and you know what i mean like we're you know, you know we're, not, we're not promoting fitness for fitness we're promoting fitness to be a specific body type and a specific aesthetic I stand whoever was the person who released the video of them filming the model getting butt pads put in for a fitness photo shoot for one of those high. I think that was Danny Mercer. I stand that happening. I love that. Let us reveal. We have been new. The people need to know. So anyway, we can talk about that a lot. But really um, for the sake of Hannah's sleep schedule and also because I am getting hangry and we all know how that's gonna go. Yeah, um, Emma hangry is not a great vibe, I'll tell you. We're going to dive into our teas after we intro you to who we are here in just a little second here. So we're really excited for that because we actually have teas this week, which is a rare occurrence for us because we don't leave our homes. So, I know. Very big deal. So without further ado, I am Emma. I am Hannah. And we're someplace. We're somebody. Hannah, who and where are we? We are the transcontinental tea, which has nothing to do with trans, although their lives matter, but is about the transcontinental nature of our relationship. Wow. One continent to another. <laughs> which again, really problematic for branding. I I'll say it, you know, I'm not sure what we're gonna do. We're gonna bring in outside counsel. What are we gonna do? I will we're say I have, I have begun asking the people, and I'm like, what do you think of us rebranding once the transcontinental portion of our title, which is the majority, Doesn't make sense. When it ceases to be relevant, and they say don't change it. So, Oof. 
it'll be interesting. Because- Maybe it's like a historical thing about how right. we were once on a different continent, but now we're on the same <laughs> better continent. So mm-hmm. maybe it's just like we are transcontinental. We were in yeah. one continent and we left. We left it's, it. You know what? We have a transcontinental nature about us. And not that we're going back because, you know, it's a one way um, ticket. <laughs> but it was once there. Yeah. Um, so anyway, we're going to go ahead and give you our teas of the week. Tea of the week. I had a total train of thought that came with that video that I was watching. And I was like, oh, I should mention that before we start. And I forgot it. So we're just going to dive in, I guess. I'll remember. That was the train going by. Wait. Yeah, that was me. So, um, Anyway, Han, let us have you start. I I chatted so much that my voice needs a break just for a few minutes. So <laughs> so anyway, I am apparently a, no no. Uh, so <laughs> my tea this week is an unexpected series of events, and okay. Lemony Snicket has entered the. It's chat. not unfortunate. It's just <laughs> unexpected. <laughs> Lemony okay, Snicket he's, is back out. <laughs> Thanks for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Any orphans around here? No. What am I doing here? (laughs) Why do I always get the wrong meeting? So anyway. Anyway. (laughs) I went to London on Friday. Friday last. And it was largely to see a friend of mine who works in our London office. Um, But I I decided just to work from London for the day because it just makes more sense with trains. And our office right now, we're moving. So we're going to be somewhere else. But right now is right on Trafalgar Square. So I had a full like Devil Wears Prada. This is my dream job (laughs) moment. And it was really satisfying. I'll tell you. (laughs) There's not that many times where I've been like, wow like amazing since the first year the first year was mostly all of that um but you know i've lived here for over four years now you know i'm i'm equally grateful so happy to be here but the like wow is mostly gone so because i'm used to superiority uh (laughs) so i will meld uh, right in i think exactly so i was working from our london office and then my friend and i went out for dinner afterwards and had delicious food okay there's a food trend that probably is in new york as well because it's like a hipster food trend sweeping across london and it is absolutely a criminal scheme to make money like it is so smart i don't know why no one thought of it sooner but it's basically this Latin American dish that restaurants are serving and it's called corn ribs. Okay. There are recipes on TikTok for it. You can Google it, but basically it is the best corn you've ever had. Like I saw it and I was like, corn ribs, like veganuary gross. Get out. (laughs) Honestly, so Good. I'm like thinking about it now. My mouth's watering. I really want another. <laughs> so I had, I genuinely must have looked like a squirrel after winter. Like I had a table of dead corn cobs just like right in front of me. And at the end, the waitress was like, do you want any more? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> so it was so good. It is arguably the best food I've tried recently not in terms of like better than all foods but like in terms of a new food that I'm trying and my reaction to it 
10 out of 10. So good. I'm still thinking about it. I might or might not travel an hour and a half just to go get it. Is it like street corn, but still on the cob? So basically, instead of having like corn on the cob as a whole unit, you split the cob into into halves and then into fourths. And then you fry that corn or like steam it and then fry it. And then it comes with like a chipotle mayo on top. And it is delicious. Now, you know, I already like corn alone, naked, naked corn. We love love her. We love her. So fry it and then add chipotle mayo and I am ready to. It's so good. Yeah. It's so good. So great. Um, Hannah and I, when I inevitably live there, not if, when, we'll give you a little like, here we are eating corn. Yeah, and they are also fam- the place that we went is also famous for its margaritas. So Emma will have one of those. I will have a GNT because I don't believe in margaritas. So um, I love a GNT moment. I had a purple one in Florida, which was so okay. Um, my tea. Oh, hey, uh, sorry. I thought uh, corn was your tea. <laughs> I am halfless. You cut me off at the knees. You <laughs> tis about to scratch. You. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought the corn passion. You thought the corn was the climax. (laughs) I mean, I would have been. In fairness, in fairness, it would count. But I actually have more to say. Please give us the rest of your tea. I'm turning the page on my filibuster notebook. Anyway, so (laughs) the next part of my tea (laughs) that I was so rudely interrupted from (laughs) was essentially. I went from said restaurant to a gin bar around the corner with my friend. I'm sorry, gym? Gin. Okay, I was like, Hannah, do we need to talk? (laughs) Although, now that I'm thinking about it, I kind of love the idea of having a vodka soda in one hand and doing curls in the other. (laughs) Like, I'm not mad at it. Um, I have a hat that says gym and tonic that I am a huge fan of. So, anyway, so went to a gin Gin bar around the corner. Got it, got it liqueur and so we we're walking in okay now let me paint you a picture and with we're words walking. here and we're walking so we get through this kind of interesting alleyway to get there not full nocturne alley but like oh we're like okay. not on a main road anymore Ooh, we kidnap <laughs> where are we going i've seen taken i know what to do so <laughs> basically Call my dad wait no <laughs> my dad's alley <Liam> neeson <laughs> anyway so we come around this corner and there's a very small gin bar and it looks really cute but definitely like hipstery and bespoke and like they collect a lot of antique bottles on the walls kind of thing i want to go so we're about to walk in we get to the front step and it's like a corner door there's a bouncer outside and there's me and my friend now we are in work clothes not like work clothes but like work clothes and we have backpacks on because we're carrying our laptops. laptops like we are not in like uh, uh, uh. No. yeah we're not in club gear you know that's the sound effect that my club clothes make this i don't know what yours. Not, it's not a vinyl moment okay you know we were not we were not dressed like sex in the city no the club hours we were dressed like sex in the city the we worked and went on the train in these clothes kind of hours so anyway we're walking in we get to the front door and the bouncer greets my friend who is shorter than i am but in front of me and says Hey, how many of there are you? And and you know, kind of a <laughs> rough around, like <laughs> um, <Do> you? <laughs> who, who do you see that I don't see? 
What you see behind me, man. <laughs> you just um, like do a really caught like an animated jump behind you. And, like... <laughs> yeah, but we want to get in. So <laughs> reeling it in. Okay. So she's like, uh, yeah, it's just, just two of us. He looks at me and he I goes. I look at him and he looks at me. Okay, sorry. He looks at me and he goes, hi. Or he goes, hello. And I was like, hi. Hi. <laughs> and then my friend is just like, yeah, so there's just two of us. And he's still looking at me. He's not looking at her. And he goes, hello. Okay. And I'm like, <laughs> hi again. Hi. I still holds. <laughs> he goes, there's just two of you, is there? And I'm like, um, no, my and 10 boyfriends are coming. Here, like and I'm also in a state of shock. So I'm like, yes, there's <laughs> still just two of us. And he goes, he's like fully like eye contact, like staring me down, like sparkling. Okay. Like, great, come this way. And I'm mm, like, just the two? No, your bar is around the corner in that dark little thin alley there. But he like, like, I'm, Come to the camera and I will give you the hello. Okay. And okay. for those who can't see, hopefully the word magic will convey. So he's looking at my friend and then he goes. Wow. <laughs> I immediately went back because I'm so uncomfortable. And he didn't break eye contact for the second. Hello. hello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not thirsty anymore, actually. <laughs> Weird. Still high. So, <laughs> so we go into the bar. So he lets you in. He he lets me in and and um he does the thing where like you can feel someone still looking at you but yeah, you're like yep, 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 yep. look back it'll be an invitation to talk <laughs> so I put my backpack down I mean it's like I I must look like a turtle like I have a backpack and I'm like, <laughs> like anyway so I put my backpack down and I do the thing that I do in bars which Emma will know immediately but other people might not I don't like sitting on stools here's my thing. I don't like the lack of back support. I'm old. And sure. second of all, I just feel like you naturally like slump. And so I would rather, I sit all day for my job. You know, I sit at work, I, business, 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 business. I'm, I'm busy, I'm busy. So <laughs> I am like, why don't I just stand? Because A, I'm gonna be more comfortable than trying to awkwardly hold on to this stool. And B, I just feel like, everyone's happier like i'm happier the person i'm speaking to is happier because i'm not complaining about the seat that i'm on that is like hard to get anyway so i'm standing and my friend is sitting on the stool because she has none of these qualms so <laughs> i can relate <laughs> we go to order and this guy who seems he's comporting himself like a manager so he has like tattoos all over and he's, he's like very london bartender so he comes over to us and he's like do you guys know what you want and I was like, yeah, um, we've already ordered at the bar. And he's like, great. So he walks away. Uh, they bring our drinks to us. And then he comes back and he goes to my friend, the drink you've ordered. And she goes, what? Is is drugged? <laughs> is what? Is what? <laughs> it's for murder. No, he's like, <laughs> the drink you've ordered. I just, I just wanted to warn you. A lot of people, so our Negronis are like the best Negronis you've ever had like they're the sweetest mm. most pure negronis and she's like i didn't get a negroni and he's like i know so <laughs> that's, the, that's the problem you're you're catching on so quick 
for he's women. Like, so great. <laughs> he's like, stay with me. So the drink you've ordered is like the badass older cousin of the Negroni. And for a lot of people, it's like too much. Like it slaps you in the face really hard. Now, some people are into slapping, but other people, I wish I was kidding, but other people find it to be too aggressive. So just let me know if you can't handle it and we'll sort something out. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? <laughs> are you just telling me I made a terrible choice and I'm going to hate this? Like, it's a sales technique. I don't know if it's a good one, but it's a sales technique. Sure. So he like smiles and saunters away. Mm-hmm. She takes okay. a sip and she's like, oh, it's fine. Like, it's not a big deal. So he comes back, you know, time later. Okay, like I, I would just like to say what I would have really wanted in this moment was for her to power move, pick it up, and chug it while he was talking without breaking eye contact. And been like, it's fine. I'll take five more. So this is why when Emma encounters people who don't have assertive personality, oh, she sure, has sure, questions. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> right. <laughs> Other personalities so, exist. I get it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. So he comes back over after a period of time, 15, sure. 20 minutes. Who can say? It's too short, so he comes okay. back over and he, he says, you know, how did you find it? And she goes, yeah, it was, it was good. It was fine. I liked it. Um, she's still drinking it at this point. So again, not Emma. She hasn't downed it in one gulp. Okay. Uh, and it's been 15 um, minutes with the same drink. So, you know, new record. So I can't, <laughs> I'm sorry. I just can't relate to that, but it's fine. I know. So she's she's like yeah it's good and then he turns to me and looks up to me taller than him hey um but looks to me as if he hadn't noticed that i was there and he makes again brazen eye contact with me which part of this tea is this doesn't happen to me okay so the whole time that all of this is happening my friend is teasing me inordinately like no wonder you're married like how are you single for so long blah 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 (laughs) and i'm like this doesn't happen okay i have never gotten this kind of attention in my life like nobody does this the whole time okay cruel mistress that fate is the whole time i was single nary nary a second hello okay not not a one i can tell you what i would do because hannah only liked boys that she knew would not return her affection. Yes, but here is my point. If we were at a bar, if I'm standing at the bar, no one aggressively makes their way up to me and goes, hello. <laughs> You're so lucky. <laughs> like, no, it just, it. and you've been out with me several times. It doesn't happen, okay? This is a fluke in the system. The matrix is glitching. There's something wrong. So anyway, the guy looks at me like he's never seen me or has no idea that I was next to my friend the whole time, looks up and goes, Hi. Uh-huh. <laughs> Here we are again. Hello. <laughs> Let me use the English language at its finest. Hello. Hi. So, so he goes, how's your drink? And I'm like, well, it's, I made a joke earlier uh, with him that he didn't look at me or acknowledge, uh, but he was basically, when he was warning my friend that she'd chosen poorly with her drink, I was, he was like, and your drink, I was like, I, it, it's a gin and tonic. It's basic. There's no way I could hate it. And he goes, exactly. And he walks away. Doesn't look at me with in the eyes, like might've glanced in my direction. Didn't make any eye contact that I noted. Looks at me this time and goes, and how was your drink? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, still good. It's a gin and tonic. So a little tough to screw up in a gin bar, but it's good. You gotta hope. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he laughs and he goes, you know, I just like to say to people that 
you never know what you're gonna like. Like I, for one, love listening to Taylor Swift and like looking out autumn windows. And I'm like, <laughs> he did not say those things to you. He did. Oh, he did. No. And I was like, are you misreading my Americanness? For is this flirt? Is this flirty Taylor banter Swift for you? In an autumn window. Now. Yeah. When I think American, those are the first two things that come to my mind. I'm like, you so. must be thinking, I need to pull something basic out of my bag. Where's my pumpkin spice latte? Where's my Taylor Swift? And he's like, you know, people would never believe that I like Taylor Swift and looking out autumn windows and listening. And I was like, I bet they wouldn't. <laughs> and like, he like laughs a little bit, saunters away for a second and goes, do you like tequila? And I was like, sorry. <laughs> I'm like, gin bar. <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 I know. But like, would you shoot a shot of tequila? And my friend looks at me as if to say, please don't spit in this guy's face for asking for to give us a tequila. And so I did the noble thing and I, I said yes to the free alcohol. So she, I was wanted, like, she wanted the shot, basically. Yeah, because, okay. you know, in this scenario, I think she just wanted to see what the cow was going to give I us. I don't know milk. exactly what face Hannah was making when this happened. And it's it reads discomfort. And anyone who's not a, like a lizard person is going to understand that this is what Hannah's face is doing. She's like probably got a very tight lip, lip like <laughs> smile thing going on. And her brows are probably a little raised. And she's just like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she doesn't want to speak and her friend looks at her and she's doing the give us the free alcohol face and Hannah's going yeah I love tequila <laughs> yeah um so my answer was true which is if you bring it I'll drink it um <laughs> and he like he was like great and so he goes okay. away I'm sorry but I am so mad at you for accepting a drink that you didn't see him pour this particular person well, just ye wait just ye wait okay take me on the journey i'm here so the crescendo here is he mugged me off he must have heard us talking because i was talking you know we were talking about loads of things but i definitely mentioned my husband, husband and like our wedding reception so he must have been within earshot because a different manager started checking on us and then he gave two tequila shots to a couple male female couple next to us and drank one with them okay and like barely came back like didn't say anything else and i was like he mugged me right off he he got me to accept the disgusting tequila and then he didn't even bring it <laughs> and so basically we're about to leave i'm you know i'm putting on my turtle backpack i'm sure, getting sure. ready to waddle out and I'm scanning the area for predators, AKA the bouncer <laughs> who has to be lurking somewhere nearby. Um, and he he goes to where we were standing and he looks at me and he goes, same time next week. And I was like, you bet. And I walk out obviously with no intention of going back. I'm never coming back ever. But the story, the story, the story, the drama. Am I the drama? So anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, miracles can still happen. Would I call that a miracle? I don't know, but an unusual event. And um, sure. yeah, I just, I, you know, I thought I was, I was over the hill. I was past the point of no return. And 
I thought that those things would not happen to me because they did not happen to me when I was single. Apparently, they do now. Were you wearing your ring? Yeah. Mm, men, women do this too. I, I, I personally, if I see the ring, I'm out immediately because that's the first thing I look for. But yeah, for some people, it's the opposite. So. so here's what I think. I think men are really slow scanners. So I think possibly if he didn't hear me talking about Luke, he saw my ring in between offering the tequila and the not coming back. Mm. I'm thinking, you know, I'm not Sherlock Holmes, but that's my theory. I, when I do eventually get engaged, I'm only drinking things with my left hand so that everyone sees the ring immediately. Like, here's the, I, I don't care if I have to hold it like an idiot. Like if I have to hold it like this, like a claw person, this is how I'm drinking it. But I have to wonder- um, Emma, is he, there a reason you're holding your beer with your chin and your left hand? No, why? Why is <laughs> that? No, I just, just I would drink things. This is very normal behavior for me. Um, I, I'm one, getting my elbow involved. <laughs> one, you'll have to take me there so that I can personally yeah. witness tiny balance. I mean, who knows if he'll be working there, but yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not that far away, Hannah. Relax. Um, I know, but I mean, like London bar turnover has to be sure. pretty high. I don't know if also, people stay there for long-term career. <laughs> I think it's weird that he was very clearly like coming on to your friend and then so quickly changed his affections. Well, like both were very directed towards me for the majority of the time. And I was like, like my friend is really pretty and she sure. doesn't have a ring on. So I'm like, this seems like have a no-brainer. You, have you met so-and-so? <laughs> <laughs> have you met Ted? This seems like a no-brainer. This seems like a slam dunk. And... Like easy to me. No, That's you know. why he didn't like it. So Maybe. Maybe he liked that I could look above his head. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure men love tall women. They do. Big oof. Big oof. Um, my tea's <laughs> not nearly as exciting or entertaining. See, it's you really... thought it was over at the corn. <laughs> I mean, I personally would have been totally happy with a corn tea. In fairness, especially once you've had it, you'll be like, no, you definitely could have left it at the corn. It was so was good. All you needed but to do. again, these kinds of things don't happen in the life of Hannah. So had to report. I'm really excited for you retroactively getting hit on, even though it means nothing. Because now you don't have to have that awkward like obligation. You can just scorn them and it feels great. So congrats. Like I have to lie and say that a man owns me to get men to leave me alone. And you can just show off your ring and be like, hey, I've already committed my life to somebody. And I don't know, it could come back to bite you. Who can say? It's a surprise. So my tea is a personal milestone, which I put off for a long time because, okay, first I'm just going to give you the premise, like what the tea is, and then I'm going to dive into the background information. So I now have a spending and debt counselor, a direct one-on-one -on -one wow. person that I am working with that I talked to today and just set up the, I don't have to pay for it because she works through Prove, which is a program that provides business, not business, like businesses too, but like um, uh, services to veterans mm. at various like New York City schools. So nice her. which by the way two points really quick one paying for a um payment tracker ironic and also paying for a debt manager ironic so yeah seems I like you're say. paying for a life raft in the ocean like yeah, i am i'm already here <laughs> <laughs> what are we gonna do you know listen i can find a dolphin to swim me to shore i don't need this <laughs> i'm good to go i have um, seen those ones at SeaWorld. they can definitely let me hold on to their fin yeah. for at least okay. a few miles shamu has got me <laughs> he's got my back shamu will eat you <laughs> yeah i know i love orcas though they're so cute but okay um 
I digress. One, abolish SeaWorld, and two, um... <laughs> one, cancel SeaWorld, <laughs> two. <laughs> um, so, anyway, I love my parents, but I will say that teaching a certain kind of financial responsibility was not a priority when I was younger. Yeah. Um, I had jobs in high school, and I paid for all the things I wanted for myself for the most part. But that being said, I didn't work because I had to. It wasn't like a, you better get a job so you can pay for your car kind of situation. Like yeah. my mom, um, and I, I, I'm not disagreeing, but she was like, I don't want you to prioritize or worry about making a car payment when you're trying to finish high school. And I wasn't a great student already. So to add stress, it probably would have been a terrible idea. But sure. that being said, I never took the onus for establishing financial responsibility after that mm. i kind of just assumed like oh whatever like i especially when i was early in the military i didn't have to pay for housing or any i had no bills whatsoever i had nothing until i got my first car and that was only ten thousand dollars or something like that so yeah um it really was just me kind of just floating through life and doing whatever i wanted to do with my money and i will say it's not quite as bad as it used to be but that's my first point. My second point is that I have a lot of shame surrounding debt, not because I'm embarrassed of having debt yeah. or because I feel like it's wrong, but because I have dated two people prominently who made a very, very big conditional deal of a my debt. huge trigger point and definitely gaslit you about it. Yeah. Um, it's one thing to be like, hey, I really like you to have certain aspects of this under control before we like enter into a conjoined union. And I would love to help you do that, um, whatever makes you comfortable. It wasn't quite, it wasn't like that. Like, they didn't know how to approach me about it. And so instead, it was basically like, you need to do this. Like, I can't marry you if you don't pay this off. I can't do this until you pay this off. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not comfortable with you making your love for me so conditional. Because it's not like I'm out here with $200,000 in debt. It was nothing. Yeah, like, you're not like gambling away your rent money. Yeah. No. And I, and I, it's okay to like, I'm aware of it. You don't have to like tiptoe around the issue. Like you have unhealthy spending habits. I know. I know that. The issue isn't to be aware of the issue. It's that I don't know how to fix it. So. Yeah. And and I will say like I was raised in the opposite environment where you had like I had to get a job to have a car. I had to get a job to do any fun activities. Like, you know, not in a horrible way, but in a like the opposite approach of like i will constructively teach you how to manage your money like mm -hmm. my parents didn't make me pay rent before i was 18 but like sure. th there were budgetary responsibilities that i had to be aware of and that i had to deal with myself like mm -hmm. they they would bail me out if needed but like it definitely wasn't an option to have a job and it was not like oh you should like it was like if you want to do anything apart from go to school and come home you 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 gonna get a job um and i will say i had the exact same experience as emma during my early 20s i think because school systems in the states don't do anything to educate you on financial awareness on how credit cards work on how you should be spending money on credit cards on how you should not be spending money on credit cards because mm -hmm. basically as soon as you turn 18 they just hand you credit cards for free like your approval odds are insane because yeah. you don't have any credit history and they give you these astronomical limits for someone of your age with no credit history and then they don't explain to you how interest works how it accrues like you know the fact that if you are not careful you can still be paying off interest from a purchase 10 years ago it's just insane but like getting your financial life in order 
even with a parentage that raised you to be very focused on like having a job and having income, it doesn't necessarily prepare you for better spending. And I think like, I'm going to say it's a personality thing that might be a cop out, but I think there are people who are just more predisposed to spending money badly because of the things that they like. And there are people who are less predisposed to it and are more hawkish and very guarding about their money naturally. Um, and so kind of have the opposite issue, but I think it's great that you are addressing this. I know it's something that you've been gradually addressing, but continuously trying to address it in a organized way is great. Well, it's, it has to come to a head at some point. Right. And I'm finding myself like making, when you add it up, it sounds like a lot because it's untaxed. I would say probably 50,000 some a year just with BAH and work study money. And that is fluid because it depends on when term is in session. So for December and January, for most of it, um, I would say most of December, but most of January, I didn't get money for because classes weren't like hadn't started. So I'm only getting like 12 days worth of money for January, which is really like, I get 3,200. I'd have to look, do the math about like how much that is per day, but it's, um, not enough to cover rent is what I know. So there's um thankfully i started early on my rent payments and i didn't take the two months free so i didn't have to pay january rent because i had so much credit backed up from not having taken those two months like i started paying immediately so um, the downside is that they take the full cap rather than what i would normally pay which because the um, the apartment i don't pay 2500 but it's capped at 2500 that's how much they took so like yeah that kind of sucks but i still have like 1500 dollars left there so anyway i digress um eventually like i was thinking i was at work like uh, i think just like the other day like yesterday i was at work and i was like honestly i'm getting to the point where like i don't know what i'm gonna do sometimes and it's like a desperation that i'm not comfortable with because it makes me like it makes me feel like I've failed and then like, it makes me question my choices and I don't regret anything I've done at all. I don't regret moving here. I regret not having started this process sooner because I could have moved here under different yeah. circumstances if I had addressed it sooner, but you know, hindsight's 2020 and all I can do is move forward. So Miss Rhonda and I, she's my counselor. She has sent me a couple of tools. I'm for the next two weeks. I'm just tracking my spending as it is like, I'm not trying to make changes right now like not I'm not trying yeah because like, you want her to see you in the wild right which girl buckle up just like get ready um mm-hmm. and Rhonda's gonna be like you what <laughs> well you know I mean like that's why I was like I need it to be you and not just like my mom because you are unbiased whereas yeah and you when you won't sugarcoat it with me but like this and it's analytical right I need that like you, you here's the statistical me. value of you not spending that money yeah right so it isn't, and I I told Hannah this, I told my mom this, I told Rhonda this, if I get the jobs that I want, and even in general, I think when I graduate, because of my experience, my degree, I'm going to enter into a field where I'm making a decent amount of money, like yeah. not six figures yet, but like a decent amount. And I don't, my issue is that every time I start making more money, I start spending more money. And so it's a lifestyle yeah. issue, not like a more money will solve my problems. More money will help me pay off my debt faster. But until I establish like, where am I spending money unnecessarily? Why can't I like get it under control? This, this, and that. Um, and until I really see those numbers and kind of like can visually understand what I'm doing, I don't think there's going to be a change. And I don't want to be a full-fledged non-uni adult. Cause I can use that excuse right now. Like I'm in school, you know, and like granted, yeah. I'm not making that much money. And what I make to live in New York city is like 
it's not enough to live in New York City. Yeah. Um, but I want at the point where I'm actually like in the corporate world again on my own, not relying on the military, not relying on any government based salary sans like it's contracting, it's government, whatever, but that's an actual salary. I just don't want to find myself being like, how am I going to pay rent this month? Yeah, so it makes total sense. It has to be done. My interest is outrageous on these credit cards. I pay 300, they take 350. And I'm constantly being bumped and bumped and bumped and I'm not even spending money on it. So it's um, an exhausting process and banks are a conspiracy. Yeah, they definitely are. Ryan Reynolds, where were you when we needed you? I'm devastated. Thank you so much. But um, <laughs> he owns so a bank called team. Mint, just in case people are like, what? <laughs> is Mint like, is it the app as well that he uses? Mm-hmm. Or, okay. I will say that Mint just recently came out that they do data farming like very aggressively. Now, I personally don't care. I don't care if you're using my spending habits and how terrible I am with money and selling it to people without my name. Like, fine, whatever. Like, I, I personally just don't care. But a lot of people are like really bothered by that. So, yeah um yeah moving swiftly on yeah wendy where the heck are you wendy get it wendy you you get in here you nut the tea is exceptionally good today (laughs) who made this Mm, very delicious just everyone knows that video in particular, because what I do is I share the screen and I play the audio from a video because it's easier than importing 10 audios. But that video has like 57 ish thousand views. And I'm like, we're 20,000 of those. We have to be <laughs> at least 30. <laughs> so you're welcome, Wendy. I love you. Okay. Hannah, what are we talking about today? We're going to talk about the advice that friends give friends, or maybe the advice that one shouldn't give a friend. Who can say we have done some self-reflection and we have realized that we have given you so much relationship content recently that we may be neglecting your friendships and those ships are important ships too quite quite they must sail on they must and arguably for longer so (laughs) we are going to talk friendships yeah so what we wanted to do was instead of just rambling on, because Hannah and I are best friends and our relationship is unique in that we don't really argue. Um, nope. We are very similar, but also very different at the same time. And we, we have are a perfect difference. example of Venn diagram in that the center circle is huge and the outer circles are small, yes. but they're very distinct. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, 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 no. That's right. Yeah, so, no, no, no. no. Very great. <laughs> so we're, what we're going to do is I found an article by The Cut. It seems to be an online magazine of some kind. Sorry. That sound effect was <laughs> a little late there. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a magazine called The Cut. Shink! There we go. Good. And they <laughs> have a, a um, section called Ask Polly. And, and today... We're Polly. <laughs> we are Polly. Along came Polly and Hannah and I arrived. Who among so. us isn't Polly? Who? I mean, Polly Pocket. We're all here. So. Oh, Polly Pocket. Loved Polly Pocket. Maybe um, that's where our body dysmorphia started. <laughs> teeny, very tiny women. Yeah. I mean, like, teeny, tiny, size. disproportionately small women who are meant to fit in your pocket and are just there for you to accessorize. 
No, wow. I watched the Thumbelina movie at a very young age with mm. what is her name? Is it Cha Cha or something? She's on that like she's on a Drag Race finale episode as well. But she okay. anyway. Cheetah Rivera. My word for it. <laughs> yeah, but she goes by like a nickname of some kind. I think Cha Cha Slide. <laughs> um, <laughs> love that. But anyway, she's in it. Like it's an old school non Disney themed Thumbelina. Movie. But that's where my dysmorphia started because Thumbelina is literally the size of a thumb. And I was like, well, shouldn't I? Be I could be a thumb. <laughs> <laughs> rude so anyway um a collection of individuals sent a number of questions into polly and we're not going to read all of them because there's like about 10 and the guys i don't have the time and i don't have the wherewithal and neither does hannah nope. but we are going to i'm going to read out a couple and hannah and i shall answer them and what i want to start with is this one because it's something i did and had done to me at a young age Ooh. and it is why did my friends ditch me? Ooh, good one. Mm -hmm. So um, a reader calling herself all alone, all sad, describes all her intense- myself. If Hannah doesn't sing at least 10 times on a podcast, something is wrong. What are um, we doing as people? <laughs> she describes her intense need to be among friends. Otherwise she says she feels anxious and depressed, feeling she hasn't Ooh. confided in anyone about. How much should we reasonably expect from our friends? Should, do you want me to read Polly's answer or should we just answer ourselves? I don't care about Polly. We're Polly. Yeah, Polly, get out of here. Okay. Um, Hannah, what are your thoughts on that question? So the word constant gives me pause. Sure. Um, imaginary cat paws go up here. Uh, if you need constant attention from your friends, like you can't be without them, I would say that's a wave and red flag in the wind. Uh, here's looking at you, kid. But in general, what like- What are you trying to say? <laughs> but in general, like there's nobody in your life that you should constantly need attention from. If you're except not comfortable- from the Lord. <laughs> except from Jay's dust. If you're not comfortable in your own skin and therefore comfortable with your own company, you know, introverts and extroverts aside there is a at least a slice of your time where you should be alone and if you can't handle that that points to a wider issue that you should look into now in terms of a reasonable standard of like i would like my friends to see me at a regular frequency and that's not happening i think that's a syndrome that people don't talk about that is very endemic of our late 20s and i would say probably going into our 30s I, I have noticed a sharp decrease in the amount of even semi-close friends that I have that I see on a consistent basis. And I actually had kind of a meltdown this week, um, mostly because I just feel like I get a lot of criticism and, and justifiably so because I tend to leave relationships first. So I tend to in a friendship, if we're not getting along, if, if we're in a different season, if, you know, if things aren't working out, the stars are not aligned, whatever's sure. happening. I tend to be the person who's like, let me let me cut the cord. Let me distance myself and remove myself from the situation. And then whatever you decide to do is what you decide to do. Um, and I tend to get a lot of criticism for that, which is fair enough. Like it is sometimes a very negative habit because I can sometimes cut off a really good relationship because I haven't had any communication and I, you know, I'm like, okay, well, if you wanted to be my friend, you would try. But the meltdown I had is that I feel very regularly like 
nobody in those scenarios, I had to think about it, but like in those scenarios, nobody fights for me. Mm-hmm. Like I don't find that many people who are like texting me over and over to hang out. Like I find that in the relationships where I would be prone to cut them off, I tend to be the person who's reaching out and not getting a text message back or who has requested to make plans. They've said yes. And like, nothing's come of it. It, I don't find that it happens the other way around. And so to me, I'm like, it reinforces this habit because I'm not cutting off people who are begging and fighting to stay in my life. I'm cutting off what to me looks like a one-sided relationship where I'm consistently putting out effort towards this relationship. And they're either kind of like reciprocating sometimes and then not reciprocating or not reciprocating at all. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's unfair. I have experienced this feeling as well, but my toxic trait is that I won't cut it off. Yeah. And I will allow it to be a one-sided and I do this in all relationships and that's a codependency issue that I have confronted. I'm dealing with. Shut up. Um, <laughs> shut up. I'm not psycho. You're a psycho. <laughs> Look at my shirt though. Really quick. Oh, she's sleeping a psycho, a no, little bit psycho. My, my shirt says cute, but psycho. So I can't, this point was well taken. But anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I have experienced this feeling as well. I think in part, that's why mine and Hannah's relationship works so well is because we're both extremely clingy individuals um, when it comes to good friendship. And I mean that to say, neither of us have gotten to the point where we're expecting the other person to put in all the effort. It's always yeah. been like yeah. a very equitable distribution of effort between the two of us. So yeah. um, I have talked about other friendships that I have where more and more it seems like I'm supporting their problems and I'm not getting reciprocation. And that yeah. to me is not really, and I like I said, I don't think it's a conscious thing that they're doing. Um, I have had friends who I think have done it consciously and just didn't care. And I obviously that's not a friend, you know, but um, yeah, I would say if you're the kind of person who you're looking around, you're thinking like, why do I not have any friends? I think part of this needs to be an introspective moment where yeah. you're like, am I the person who's expecting the effort or am I the am person? I the drama? <laughs> am I the drama? Um, <laughs> get out of mirror, have a chat with yourself, be like, hey, you listen and if you're going through these relationships in your head and you're thinking like well last time they talked to me like what did i say what was the conversation yeah and if you're seeing these patterns of you being the one who's like and they're like oh my god i was so tired today girl me too i have all these things going on this isn't that and you're not empathizing with them in any kind of way there could be a reason they're not reaching out to you anymore yeah and also like I don't think it needs to be 24 7 50 50 like there will be times when people need more and i would say in our relationship i'm really guilty of wanting friendship on my terms and my time so i will definitely be somebody who's like i'm gonna text you when i want to text you and i'm not gonna text 24 7 and blah 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 and i make a lot of allowances for lemma for lemma for (laughs) little emma that's because i will call hannah until she responds to me no but but what i mean is i depart from my normal pattern of behavior quite a bit and i am willing to text more than i naturally would come out of my shell to text and interact but because you know at 2 a.m we both have been there for each other in different Mm -hmm. times of need so like it doesn't have to be 50 50 all the time but it should be 50 50 overall yeah and i mean like 
when I'm massively texting Hannah like 30 texts in a row, I don't expect her to respond to those. I'm not texting them and be like, why aren't you responding? But if it's like a genuine crisis moment, then of course she'll, like, she'll respond to me. But for the most part, our conversations are surface enough that I don't need an immediate text back. And there'll be times where I'll see her text come through. And I would say this is more of like a two out of 10 kind of moment, but I'm yeah. like, I'm not in the headspace right now to respond to you. Not yep. because I don't want to talk to you, but just like energy wise, I'm yep. just not there. So I'm going to give it a couple of hours and then I'll text you back, you know? And I think that's normal. And, yeah. it's and both of us are not on the page of like, if you don't text me back within five minutes, you hate me. Um, <laughs> I have moments, let me just say, but it's fine. Emma lives adjacent to the page, which is <laughs> off the page. But no, but what I mean is like, so, you know, one of the best things that Emma and I have found, because we're on different schedules right now, inshallah, that goes away and we're on the same schedule, but yeah. she will text me while I'm asleep. And then mm -hmm. I can respond in the morning, which is so helpful because if she's always waiting on it to be my timing or I'm always waiting to talk to her for her timing, it just gets complicated. And then like, we can't text about in the moment things. So it's mm -hmm. really helpful not to have an expectation of immediacy and just go, I'm saying this to you and and emma's talked about this before you know i'm saying this to you in real time as it's happening to me as if i were expecting you to text back with the wherewithal to know that you're not going to text back right now but when you see it you're going to text back mm -hmm. yep um all people should just have healthy expectations of themselves and other people and i think that you'll find that your relationships are healthier because of it so uh in terms of just quickly to cap it what should you do if you find that you don't have friendships, I think just be really intentional about the people that you are becoming friends with. You know, mm -hmm. meeting friends at an older age is hard no matter what, but looking at the relationships you're forming, not just as like, oh, they're they're fun or like, oh, they make me feel really good, but like, are they somebody who is interested in forming that deep of a connection with me? Because you try and form deep connections and someone else trying to have like a twice a month acquaintance is not going to end well. So. And it's okay to have sometimes friends as long as you're both on the same page. Yeah. You know, like I have a friend I only see like once a month because we get together to do something, but we're both like aware of that and neither of us are hurt by that. So. Yeah. It's okay. Okay. Other questions. And this is pretty niche, so I'll read it, but then we can just narrow it down a little further. The mm -hmm. question is, should I try to help my alcoholic friend? I would say let's, that's not a bad question. I don't know that I have any alcoholic friends anymore. Um, but I will say like, how do you help a friend that to you seems to have a debilitating issue of some kind? Yeah, I, I would say like, no, it's not really your role. I think mm -hmm. offering yourself a support. Yes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think help them. First of all, they have to want to help themselves. And a lot of people, that's a huge hurdle. And, and it's true for multiple conditions, not just, you know, a mm -hmm. debilitating disease like alcoholism. But if Emma is in toxic relationships with men and Emma doesn't want to change that. When aren't I? <laughs> it's not my job to help Emma get over that. It's my job that when asked, I provide the advice that is good or that I think will help. But it's not my job to get her out of that toxic relationship. And actually, it would be overstepping if I told her to break up with someone without being asked for my opinion. Um, and, and I think in the same way, like, should you be available as a support system to this person who's obviously struggling? Yes. Should you consider it your role to fix them or to consider it your responsibility to be able to make massive changes in their life? No. 
No. I think I think we find this a very difficult line to balance because we care about our friends. We want the best for them. And so watching me date dickwads, I'm sure, is not easy because you're like, I can see, because I know you, the change it has on you. Yeah. You think you know yourself enough to know that you'll notice changes within yourself, but it becomes your new normal. So you don't really like, uh, and we also have like a bias and like an inherent bias because we love that individual or like yeah. we think we do. So, um, but at the same time, I can tell you how I would have reacted if Hannah had been like, you need to leave them and it wouldn't have been good. It would not have been good because I wasn't ready to hear that. And I wasn't at a place where I was being physically abused in my like genuine life safety was at risk you know so um but even so yeah i think hannah hit the nail on the head i think all you can do is offer support um i don't think it's your right or your responsibility even really to be that person's like saving grace yeah so and i think in terms of like if you need to have a conversation where you're like i really like i don't want to have an intervention but i want to have an intervention i think just try to make it a reflective conversation because ultimately it's not about what you say it's about what they say and like how they can process this so you know i can think of a conversation that i had with emma when she was in her last horrible relationship where most of what i was asking wasn't why does he do this to you like why does he treat you like this or it was mostly like how do you feel when he does this? Or like, do you feel good about the relationship as it stands? Is it meeting your needs? Like, it's mostly, how can I help her to process this so that she can make a decision that is best for her, mm -hmm. rather than like, interrogating her, essentially, on what I think is a necessary change in her life. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're ready to be defensive when we know we're doing something that's harmful to us. And yeah. so already off the bat it's a complicated issue of you being like hey i noticed that you drink because my ex did this to me too i to me and i still don't think this because i was never like drunk or to me drinking in excess like i know my limits at this point in my life and i would never ever cross them but to him who was not friends with people who drank wine maybe every other night or things like that this was a lot right but he wouldn't approach me with it like a hey like I just want to get an idea of what like your lifestyle is like is this something that you enjoy like why do you enjoy it even more like do you really need to drink that do you really yeah. need to do that and it's aggressive and it's abrasive and it makes me my hackles raise immediately and i'm gonna get like defensive and angry with you not yeah. because i think i have a problem but just because like i feel like you're accusing me of something now yeah so in any situation i think that the other person would react that way so agreed okay well let's say what else we got here they're all kind of within the same vein. So I will say, let's do this one. Do you want to do this one and then um, end it there? Or do you want to do two more? This last one? Let's do this one and then briefly discuss the separate article that I had. Yeah. Okay. Um, this final question. Am I too intense to have close friends? Uh... Misfit writes to Anna and Emma, describing <laughs> a cherished friendship that's faded over time. Okay. So basically this writer thinks that their relationship is fading because they are too intense and too much for the other person i would love for you to kick this off because this okay. is something that you've confronted personally i will say i'm a very intense person and hannah's smiling knowingly because she knows this and it's fine um i'm i don't think clingy is the right word i thrive on attention though and when i feel things i feel them very very deeply and mm -hmm. immediately like it doesn't take me very long and i have been described as being very intense sometimes it's described as abrasive but i think intense is a better word 
I never really questioned whether I should or should not have close friends. It was more that I thought I had close friends in my past that would react negatively to my personality traits. So it really felt like I wasn't even being myself with the friends that I did have. Yeah. So I will say in this situation, I would say whoever you're considering your close friend isn't really that close of a friend because they're not willing to accept that that's who you are. And if they don't even like you and who you are as a person, why would you ever want to call them a friend? I think people talk about high intensity as like a negative trait. Mm -hmm. And I think people forget to recognize that it's a spectrum, just like a lot of other things. So like low intensity people have their own struggles, just like high Mm -hmm. intensity people do. And you know, this is something that I really, and I've said this to you before, I really think it's a huge character strength. Like I think the amount of yourself that you present to other people and that you offer in relationships is very high and that is so genuine and good that to me it's a it's it's part of your personality but it's also a benefit and i think a lot of people who react negatively to it immediately you don't have capacity for me and that's fine but it's not a problem with me it's just a difference of lifestyle capacity for friendship Mm -hmm. and like spaces of personality that we have like it's not like a me problem that i need to address and it's something that i really have a problem with people trying to change about you because it's not it's not just saying that who you are is wrong it's trying to effectively make you smaller and put a damper on who you actually are in order to fit this quote-unquote friendship and I was party to uh, the person who I'm sure Emma is thinking of right now who did this for a large portion of her life before I was her friend and for a massive portion while we have been friends. And it was not only sad to watch, but it was actively this person trying to make Emma feel less than. And I just think like, why would you want to stay in that it's the same as like a toxic relationship piece of advice Mm -hmm. to me like why would you want someone around who doesn't like you like effectively what they're telling you consistently is that they don't like you maybe they like you on some level but they don't like you as you are they like you in like a small like picture window format and that's it and any other form of you is is too much for them so they don't actually like you as a person which means you don't have a genuine connection So why would you want that in your life? Like, why would you Mm -hmm. want to confide in a person who is obviously one foot in one foot out of a friendship? I think we definitely have the sunken cost fallacy plays a part in that because someone's like, oh, we've been best friends for X amount of years. And that has has to mean something. Maybe it never meant something, you know? It doesn't, sweetie. Maybe it was always a friendship of convenience because when Hannah and I lived geographically in close proximity, it didn't really bother me. Like, it just it was like a thing and it was like, Oh, that's kind of irritating, but it really became that person becoming very resentful because they didn't have that like power hold anymore because I had a support system away from that. And then Hannah and I lived apart and it was sort of like a, who do I have here? Oh, it's you. I know you, we've been together before. Let me revert back to that. And it was the same story, different day. And so yeah. getting distance from that has given me perspective. But once you're, I think people stay in these friendships because they're afraid because this person has made them feel afraid that no one else is going to want to be your friend. You should be so lucky to have me as a good friend, you know, like things like that. And it's very toxic relationship, the toxic friendship is they're the same. It's, it's parallel just on two different sides of the spectrum. So, yeah. um, 
Yeah. And I would say Hannah is, um, in comparison to me in social situations, a low intensity individual Yeah. to us. And to me, we see her vivacious and loud and bubbly. Yeah. Um, but that's a different environment. We're basically, we feel you guys are all here and we love you. You're like, you're kind of like the ghosts in the room. We're like, Oh, hi. You're like, hi, Ooh, hi, Casper, hi. love Ooh, that on cool. you. <laughs> but we're looking at each other and it's like, there's no one else around us when we do these conversations. Yeah. So this is how Hannah and I are with each other, but you put us in a social situation. One, it's really easy to embarrass Hannah and I take full advantage. Oh yeah. <laughs> and two, um, she's just she's low more she's more low-key than me in social scenarios and that's not a criticism yeah. at all but i think no. a lot of people would interpret that as her being like indifferent and that's just not the reality of the situation so we see two different sides of the spectrum in that situation where it could be interpreted as like a negative for each of us and we as best friends see it as a positive so surround yourselves with people or person you know whoever it is that makes you feel like the part of yourself that others have told you is too much or too little is the best thing about you. 100%. And and I will say like this podcast can sometimes be dangerous for me because Emma has access to every part of my life, like every part of my personality, every thought that I have is shareable with Emma. Now, do I share every single one? No, but like, there's no thought that I have that I'm like, Oh, don't, don't share that with Emma. Do you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? So mm -hmm. like, I sometimes overshare on the podcast. Whereas <laughs> if I were in a social situation, yeah. I don't give everybody that access. And I think one of the best things that I've ever learned to do is selectively grant that access to your whole unfettered personality and self to mm -hmm. people who have earned that trust over time. Because with Emma, I can do weird voices. I can sing the things that pop into my head. Like I'm exactly who I am. And I'm not less than that with other people, but they don't have access to everything. Mm -hmm. So they get a, a, a smaller version of that. And that for me is very comfortable in social situations because I'm not trying to give them access to every part of my mind and heart like that. They don't need it. It's it's they haven't earned it. They can't be trusted with it. Their credit history doesn't reflect that. Like you have there's no part <laughs> that cap quite yet. Let's no, and there's hundred. And, and even in a group of close friends of mine or like really close friends, there's nobody who has exactly the same relationship that Emma and I do. And therefore I will not be exactly who I am when it's just Emma and I with other people around. And for me, that access control is really, is really secure. It means that I'm not worried that someone's gonna give undue influence similarly to making you feel small when you know, you're not, you're not that deep in my life. Like you don't know me. I don't care if you don't like yeah. that. I do weird voices. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, I will say my coworkers and my other friends, they just don't know me in the same way. And I'm okay with that because that sounds exhausting truly. And people that say I have 20 best friends, I don't believe you. I just don't. I and think you have none. I think, I mean, yeah, because to me, a best friendship is such a sacred thing and it's so rare to maintain those and i feel so sad for the people that have lost what they felt was their best friend due to time and circumstances and i think a lot of people expect when it's your best friend you don't have to put any effort in and that's just not the reality so um well and i will say probably is a good kind of segue i had a best friend similar mm -hmm. to emma's old best friend <laughs> that i was friends with her for you know God, like nearly years, years. yeah like nearly 15 20 years yeah and 
I ended that relationship because she broke an essential portion of my trust mm -hmm. and proved to me that the one-sided relationship that I had suspected for a long time, but kept paddling through with because family pressure to stay friends because we were childhood friends. And even just the, the thought of like cutting off that relationship when she's been in so many memories for me mm -hmm. felt very big. Uh, but having stayed in that relationship longer than I should have and having suffered the consequences of it, I can say with a hundred percent certainty, like if they're your best friend, they will not treat you in that, in that manner, in that way. Like they will not violate your trust. They will not, you know, use information against you. They will not try to make you feel small. And if they do, they're not your best friend. Um, hard facts. We hate to be the ones to tell you, but, um. <laughs> can I just quote Drew right now? Cause I cried yeah. when she said this straight facts, no printer. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I love her. I She's mean, say facts. less absolute <laughs> bars. <laughs> so this article is on refinery 29 and it is a, it's an opinion piece that was posted this week or last okay. week. And it's why you shouldn't give your friends advice and how to actually help them. So she spends time talking about, you know, I have a friend, this is what she's like. And basically that she went to this friend about advice on fertility and okay. this friend gave specific advice. Now okay. she reflects back, you know, I had asked for advice. She gave it to me. And then she kind of goes on to wax about how actually the best thing that you can do for friends is not to give them advice, but let me go through the specifics of what she says instead. Give us the tea. Yeah. So she says, essentially, um, she cites examples of advice leading to the end of friendships and, okay. you know, especially referencing like breakup related advice. And then she basically says your role as a friend therefore is to help them see their options in any given dilemma not dictate them especially if their thoughts are clouded particularly because they're anxious or upset so okay. i think what she's trying to say is probably more similar to what we said about presenting people with how they feel and trying to get reflective answers from them rather than telling uh -huh. them to do I see. something okay I interpret it as I'm like, you're afraid you, you, because you have such a personal stake in it, you give very specific kinds of advice. Yeah. Okay. So I think the question is, should you give your friends advice at all? And, and I think that's a valid question because yeah. it is an easy thing to say like, yes, you should always give your friends yeah, advice. Always be there for them, blah, which is not the same thing, but yeah. So that's probably a good closer is should you yeah. give your friends advice? And if so, how? That is the question. That is the question. And the question is that. And <laughs> and such as world peace. <laughs> April 4th. Um, it's not too hot. It's not too cold. All you need, all you is, a need is a light jacket. Um, yeah, I think. I can't tell you how many rooms I walk into. And in my head it goes, she's beauty and beauty, she's, she's grace. grace. She's Miss United she's States. Um, <laughs> don't wear the crown. So Take um, <laughs> can you imagine every time you saw someone putting on a hat? Don't wear the crown. <laughs> and you just spread them and like knock it off their head. Don't do it, and then you just leave. Um, that's my vibe personally, but 
I, first of all, I think that I'd be great on like jackass because I'm willing to do random inappropriate things in public, but that's just me. So often. Um, <laughs> much to Hannah's chagrin. I would say it's not that I don't think you should give your friends advice. It's just that I think that you need to be um, objective if you can. Mm-hmm. No, because personally, I'm I'm a very how do I say this? Um, there's a word I'm looking for and I can't impressionable. I'm very impressionable. <laughs> Sounds like looks like animal vegetable. <laughs> how many letters? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, is it noun? Adjective? Pronoun? Who can say? Um, I'm very impressionable and I have a lot of trouble. Especially, I find this is the issue when I already really know the answer in my heart and I'm not ready mm-hmm. to confront it. And if someone says it to me. And I, I start to like panic over it because I'm like, well, I'm not like emotionally prepared to deal with that. And so therefore I have to flag this as bad advice because I cannot handle the truth that you're speaking to me right now. So if I'm like, hey, this person who belittles me a lot, should I just like not date them? They'd be like, yeah, actually, I think that's a great idea. I think not dating them will be super. And I'm like, but I love them. And so therefore- you're- They're my whole heart. How dare you? <laughs> yeah. Um, so I would say, I think that in those situations, it's best to maybe ask a question instead of being like, here's my opinion. Maybe frame it as like, how does it make you, Hannah did this to me. It's reverse psychology people, you know, it's kind of making you come to the own conclusion, you know, um, especially in such a black and white situation. But I suppose when it's gray area, it's complicated. And at that point, I don't know that I'm comfortable giving advice to my good friends, to my surface friends. Sure. I'll give you advice, but I would be remiss and bemiss to be the person who <laughs> gives you the advice that makes you do something that ends up being detrimental or hurts you in some kind of way, which I have been that person before and I felt a lot of guilt over it. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think, you know, I, I don't think that you should necessarily give advice to all of your friends. I yeah. think that. In a relationship where you've built a level of trust, there is a way to deliver your opinion when asked. And there's also a way to not deliver your opinion and to just help them to realize what they want and go with that. Even if you think it's not the right thing, because ultimately you're there to support them, not your outcomes for how they feel. So you think that they already have an answer in their head that they're just not comfortable like saying? In scenarios where people really don't know, talking about all the options is going to be helpful. Sure. I would say seven times, probably eight times out of 10, Mm -hmm. people already know what they want to do when they ask someone for advice because they've done internal thinking about it. They've done internal processing. Mm -hmm. And now they want to externally process and say to someone, confirm what I'm thinking or negate what I'm thinking and and give me the feedback that I need. I'm actually going to flip it on its head, though, and I'm going to say... (laughs) Um, (laughs) how are we upside down and i would say moment okay watch who you ask advice from Mm, because there are loads of people and there's a guy that i work with and my dad is the same way Mm-hmm. He would come, so my dad, not the guy I work with, my dad, <laughs> <laughs> this story is not going to make sense if you think it's the guy I work with. My dad would come that home. That seems like he's overstepping his boundaries. <laughs> I know. <laughs> my dad would come home and he would tell my mom all these things that he learned about pregnancy from people that he worked with or people that he met. And he wouldn't ask her 
how her pregnancy was. So he basically got all this input from all these sources instead of getting input from a direct source that would have actually been helpful for what he was trying to achieve. So Mm -hmm. there's a guy that I work with who does the same thing where basically at every meeting, he has to ask everyone, what do you guys think about that? in order to feel confident in his own choices. Mm, As a person, you should be scrupulous about who you choose to take advice from and who you ask those advice questions to, because that is gonna be more potentially decisive in you making a good choice or a bad choice than you asking a good friend for their opinion. Because granted, if you ask me for my opinion, I'll happily tell you, but Mm. I would normally caveat it with, I would say that though, and if you don't feel like that's the right thing to do, don't do it just because I think it's the right thing to do. It and reminds me of that meme where someone's going like this and it's like, but when you say it's your life though, <laughs> just it's your case. life though. Well, exactly. But, but no caveating it with, you know, in my opinion, observing the facts, this is what I would do, mm-hmm. but you have to do what fits right with your conscience and with the options that you see in front of you. But I think, being a discerning person who is careful about whom they seek advice from will serve you much better as the friend Mm -hmm. like you know in the example she talks about talking about fertility when she wasn't actually ready to talk about it and so really is this her friend's fault for delivering advice when Mm -hmm. asked no it's your fault for seeking that advice before you were ready now is it your fault in the sense that you did the wrong thing and therefore you shall be punished no But what it means and what it should hopefully teach us is that if you're seeking advice constantly from other people, especially from sources that are not reputable, from sources that don't have a great track record, who don't have a big stake in your success, who don't support you consistently, you're going to get enough mixed reviews that it's actually going to make your decision harder. So to feel confident in your own choices, examining things yourself, and then when you're ready, seeking that counsel from people who you know and trust and who've grand who've earned that access into your life that is i think how you're going to be best served by seeking advice and friendships i think i was i inadvertently addressed this with my t where i said like i needed somebody who was third party objective because to seek it's not that i think hannah or my mother are bad with money they're much better than i am and much more apt to give this kind of advice should i seek to ask it than like um I can't, someone who is bad with money, like me. So if you're going to ask Hannah or I financial advice, it would be Hannah. But that being said, she and my mother both have an emotional investment in me and therefore they wouldn't want to be point blank necessarily with me because it could, uh, I think that they could be aware that I would take offense to that and there could be contention. When you have an emotional stake in the person, it it will feel like judgment. Even if it's great advice, me saying to Emma, stop ordering uber eats is going to feel like judgment Did i do it today who can say can say it, but like <laughs> it's going to feel even if i had no intent of judging her behind it it's going to feel like i'm judging her spending habits and not that i'm trying to give her a way out or a way mm-hmm. to better something in the same way that <laughs> i was talking about getting an air fryer because <laughs> i wanted to make the corn. I wanted to make the corn. (laughs) And so I was like, we need an air fryer. (laughs) And so Luke said to me, he's like, 
all right, well, I've been thinking about the air fryer. I'm like, great. So we're getting it. He's like, not quite. So I've been thinking about the air fryer. <laughs> I've heard enough, sir. <laughs> uh, I'm not soliciting feedback at this time. Thank you. So <laughs> he, he was like, I've been thinking about the air fryer and I think it's a good idea. I think what we would do though is to compensate. I think to get our value out of it, we need to stop ordering takeaways when it's just you and I and just cook food at home with the air fryer. And I was like, we've canceled the air fryer. <laughs> and he was like, no, that's not what I, and I'm like, it's gone. Done. It's deleted from my <laughs> Amazon no cart. We're never talking it. about it again. <laughs> so. Air fryers don't even exist anymore. They're just Dead to us. Canceled. <laughs> so. Um, I will tell you that I do have an air fryer and it's, it's, people think it's such a bougie thing. It's really not that like big of a purchase. Like if you think about it, a good one is maybe near a hundred dollars. Yeah. Um, and I, mine was about 70 or 80, I think. And it, I bought it in Georgia. So I still had money at the time. I didn't buy it in New York city. So I had it the whole time. Help me. I'm poor. <laughs> have I taken it off the top cabinet where it rests since I moved? Not once. No. no. When I first bought it, I used it a lot. I made zucchini fries. I made, I think I made like bread in it or so I, t- I toasted bread in it because I was like, I don't want to bring it. I just put bread in there to see what would happen. So <laughs> I have good and bad news for you. When you move um, here, all of your appliances are a lie anyway. So, well, I mean, luckily for me, I have adapters, so you'll need a converter for anything that doesn't have dual voltage. Well, we have been new. I have visited before. So guess what? Um, Tell that's the curling um, iron I set on fire when I first moved here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I do remember that. (laughs) Um, I will say the only appliance I'm really like, there's only two appliances I own that I'm like, I need to take this with me. And that is my KitchenAid mixer because those things are expensive and I'm not buying a new one. And um, my Instant Pot. And on that note, now that you know what M is packing, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> oh, right. We're still recording. Um, you guys don't want to hear my... I was going to go groceries next, but I guess you probably don't want to hear that. So. No? <laughs> <laughs> it's just rice and chicken, guys, the average. So, okay. Um, thank you so much for spending time with us. Hannah and I have officially been on this computer together for like three and a half hours. And To be honest, it's not the longest and it's probably not a record. <laughs> um, and when I am physically there, she will have to literally pushed me out of the house so it's a good thing i have a spare room it's been great i'm so (laughs) happy that you joined us and as always i am hannah and i am i'm still emma that's the tea